right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy-rated TV ratings and delivers some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by Richie. How's things gone, Richie? Oh, good, good. Although, uh, I mean, a little behind-the-scenes things here, folk. He uh, completely fucked up the intro just then, but it kind of sets the stall out for uh, this, uh, this, this review of these two programs because they are by far... The worst two programs of wrestling I think I've seen in quite some time. And we watched the AWA when it was dying. <laughs> I don't know. I still think whatever it was, was it Bunkhouse Stampede? It was like one of the very first shows I ever did. That has to be the worst wrestling show I've ever watched to this day. <laughs> now, it did originate the Hammerlock scale and possibly even Dick Move of the Week. It did, it did. <laughs> but no, this is some bang average stuff right here. Um, yeah, we were chatting then. I've... I've um, just a, a full disclosure to everyone before we start the episode, I basically fell asleep um, and then have woken up and had a massive hay fever attack. So I, yeah, did fuck up the intro on the first try and we're going to soldier on and try and get this done because Richie and I haven't spoke in bloody ages. I'm just praying you stay in the land of the living right now. <laughs> Me too. We'll survive. It's been so long. I um, It's funny you say these are two of the worst shows because I literally just today finished watching the... Um, Halloween Havoc 96 and I was writing my notes for, for that because I'm so far behind and I'm like oh these were two of the best pay-per-views I've watched you know for one show before and then turn back to these notes and I'm like oh well this is back to the other end of the scale yeah this is a hard U-turn from quality mm. um, we should probably tell everyone what we're watching it's Raw from March 15th 1993 and Saturday, WCW Saturday night from March 20th, 1993. So we're back on the um, the original Raw timeline here, hoping for some gems, but not finding much <laughs> on this week's um, serving. We started so positively at the start of this. Like, like we'll just we'll just do these. How bad the, how bad can they be? I mean, it's not known as a great time for either companies, but maybe it's wrong. I'm beginning to wonder if history is correct. And and this time period in wrestling was possibly one of the worst. <laughs> I think it's just like, see, I guess the, the both of us, right, like have didn't watch week-to-week TV back in. I know you weren't watching in this time period and I didn't have access in this time period. And you, you live through, like, the history of, of, you know, the DVDs and the magazines and stuff. And these top 50 moments and all this nonsense, they don't tell you that there was one moment, then six months, and then one more moment and so on. No, I mean, it's like uh, how the Premier League is always like the most exciting sport, uh, most exciting football league in the world. But we've all been sat there watching it on a Sunday afternoon, the four o'clock kickoff starts, and watch two hours of some of the most drudged football of all time. But apparently, it's the most exciting league in the world. <laughs> I've got not got a bad word to say about football for the rest of this year after my beloved Manchester City's historic treble. So um, I can't draw any parallels with you there. Uh, no, I'm going to be honest, I did, did watch those through. Uh, well played. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Wednesday supporter, as known, so we uh, pulled the greatest pullback of all time ever. That was incredible. And then, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I have a theory with football, and I, I do. I'm, a, I'm probably a bigger Wednesday fan in the past, but if I ignore what they're doing, then everything goes well. And the minute I take any interest in them, they start drawing or worse, losing. So the first playoff game, I kind of watched it and then like watched the score come in on Twitter and I'm like, 4-0, oh, that's bad. 
and I ignored the second game <laughs> up until it got to like penalty time, and I thought well, I, I, I've got to, I've got to watch now. I've got to watch it. Uh, even then, I just watched it on Twitter. I was just refreshing Twitter, and even the playoff There's final, not- I was like, I could have. Could have paid for it, watched it on Sky, and I went out. Now nah, I'm going to go sand my table that needs doing outside, and I'll come back in a bit and check the score. <laughs> There's nothing like football to make a man superstitious. So, um, as many long-time listeners will know, I'm a I'm a football coach, and we have had a pretty tumultuous season. So I signed a new striker for this season, who I think was going to turn my team around. Um, our league season is 22 games. We had a four-game cup run. So far this year, he's had 14 matches suspended. <laughs> um, and we couldn't score a goal. We couldn't buy a goal for the first half of the season, which he basically played two games and missed the rest of the first half of the season. And um, I'm one that like I have to have something to stop me yelling and screaming and abusing officials. So I've always had like mints or sweets or something in my pockets. Whenever I feel the need to hurl abuse at someone, I just pop one of them in and, and try and breathe. And all year I've been on polo mints and couldn't buy a goal, couldn't buy a win, really, really struggling and just happened to swap to fruit pastels and four games undefeated. And in the first four games of the second half of the season, we scored more goals and picked up more points in the entire first half of the season. So it's fruit pastels for the rest of the year. You can never not use the fruit pastels now. Have you? Yeah, uh, that's... I know this isn't wrestling related, but I think we're doing what's known as a as a side venture in the podcast line to avoid what we actually have to do. But have you watched <laughs> Ted Lasso? I have just finished it about a month ago. I, I spent years denying it, and then when I finally started, it is incredible. If you haven't watched it, I definitely recommend watching it. I was kind of the same, you know, American football. There's bits and pieces in it as a football fan. You're like, well, it doesn't work like that. But it's like one of the best TV programs I've watched in ages. Yeah. Like, I'm, 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 I'm willing to say, you know, there's moments in there. There's tears. There was tears in my eyes. I'm like, because it's either like emotional or the thing that you want to happen happens, and you're like, you're fucking getting. It's like watching football. Uh, you know what I really liked about it that I think is underrated on this show that doesn't I haven't seen mentioned maybe just because I don't read many reviews but um it's a sports show that doesn't do the obvious with the results of the sport and that I really admired that they like you know they build up the season towards I I won't spoil anything in case anyone hasn't watched it but now wants to watch it based off this 30 second conversation but when you watch a sports film and everything builds towards the cup final which obviously they go behind and have a big halftime team talk and come back and win it and in this it's like well no they'd lose that final but they'd learn the lesson anyway and I just I really admired that about the show just on a side note I like how it would uh like you'd think that the most important goal and you're like oh I wonder if they can do that and then halfway through the episode you, you forget that that's what they're doing because something else come along and you're just like actually the the bit I thought was important isn't important and actually you think uh, the storyline still provides, whereas, like you say, it's the usual tied in chested tropes of uh, football team, crap manager, crap players. Uh, away you go. It writes itself usually. Yeah, and just to tie this back to wrestling, um, obviously WWE was just recently in the UK and you told me before we started recording you'd watch Money in the Bank and I saw in the press conference afterwards that Triple H was inquiring about where Trent Grimm was. I mean that they missed a trick there, didn't they? Not getting Trent Crim. <laughs> Sorry, right we're now. back on we're back that, on track now. <laughs> that, would, 
I was gonna say yeah, I was gonna about to segue again. The the money in the bank was actually a really good uh, pay per view. What I particularly like is how the WWE are shameless. So like Tony Khan, he goes and books uh, all in, knows it all out, whichever one it is in Wembley, and he does it all like kind of low key. Let the fans promote it, and everyone goes. Uh, whereas Vince McMahon, who uh, was <laughs> sidled back in charge. Uh, basically goes what I need is John Cena to come across and basically just say the words London Wrestlemania and then wait for the <laughs> British government to pay me to bring it across and that's like yeah. you, 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 you're never going to beat him because <laughs> that's <laughs> a, he's like he's not, he's not playing fair he's like no you pay me for it yeah that's um, that's WWE through and through <laughs> um so we probably should start on these shows. Um, let's um, let's head over there now. Which did you watch first? I went for WCW. Uh, may God have mercy on my soul. All right. Well, I watched WCW very recently and Raw quite a while back. So let's head over and do WCW first and see how we get on with that. One week ago on WCW Saturday Night, the return of Ravishing Rick Rude, who made it very clear that he wants to regain the U.S. Heavyweight title as he challenged Justin Rhodes. This week on WCW Saturday Night, Rude returns to action. As you would have heard just then in the intro, we're recapping the um, feud between Jake, uh, not Jake the Snake, Ravishing Rick Rude and Dustin Roberts. Uh, sorry, God, I've got Jake the Snake on the mind. Ravishing Rick Rude and Dustin Rhodes. Um, and our commentary team are Tony Schiavone and Jesse the Body Ventura. Um, we start out with Rick Rude taking on TC McCoy. Um, Rude jumps in while in his robe, hits a power slam, a pair of backbreakers, a knee lift, a bear hug, and the Rude awakening for a pretty vicious squash match that really made Rick Rude look like he was um, in a more serious mode and ready to take on the world here. What did you think about this one, Richie? Well, I, I've got in my notes, it's been a while since I watched it, but I, I believe I called uh, his opponent non-Marty Tijanetti. So that was this kind of level of... Uh, <laughs> That's what he looked like, uh, folks. You, the mullet was in full force. Uh, it was all right as a squash match. I mean, I started off relatively uh, optimistic. You know, I don't mind a squash match. I liked afterwards. I think Rick then takes the mic and he's uh, having a pop at old Barry Wingdom, which I, who I'd forgotten again was a champion of some description. So, I mean, at least it reminds you that he's there with the belt. So, you know, it was all right. It's not a bad start. Yeah. Yeah, all right. That's probably about the high point of the show. <laughs> um, um, we then go to Ric Flair coming out. But as we do, we see the Blue Brothers are in the ring um, scene just waiting. So that's awkward for them. Um, and he cuts a promo about Barry Windham. Not really much said. Um, it's building up a little bit of suspense, but it's not all that riveting. I'll splice it in to have a listen to here. WCW Saturday Night, The Nature Boy, Rick Flair! I think 
like the term styling and profiling comes out here. The Nature Boy, Rick Flair. Let me ask you first of all, Barry Windham avoids any question about you. Why the mystery surrounding with Barry Windham, do you know? Well, let me say first of all, when it comes to Barry Windham, you tune in tomorrow night to the main event because Rick Flair is going to talk one-on-one -on -one with Eric Bischoff about Barry Windham and the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Now, Tony, are you ready? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? Why, it's you, Nature Boy. Who else? And Ric Flair, it is WCW Saturday night. We are custom-made from head to toe. We are live in Atlanta, GA. This is it. I'm the Nature Boy. Woo! And I'm back live and in color. What did you think of Flair here, Richie? Uh, I mean, is will it be a Flair uh, pro uh, interaction promo for the for the what for history? No, on this program, possibly the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> I, I think I think if you're watching this program, there's like this interaction, and then maybe the creation of the universe is the two most important things that occurred. <laughs> that is definitely true um, And I was right The the Blue Or they're called the Bruce Brothers here They've not um, graduated to Jacob and Eli Blue yet uh, In the ring to take on Thor and Alan um, The Jobbers I really fi found it hard to keep up with Which Jobbers were which In the tag matches especially here um, Sometimes they flash the names on screen And other times we're just straight into the match And I have no idea who's wrestling So maybe it was my attention span But I think the production quality was more likely at play now they're not consistent. Like either, it's usually the more WWE approach to not tell anyone who the jobbers are, or they kind of and they don't name referees nowadays or give them a name and then you can like when they mention them on commentary, which they almost always do. You at least know who it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We get a big double shoulder block from the brothers to start with, and then I've got here. Um, a big leg drop, but it exposes a crack and crack kills, so that is not good. <laughs> no. We get a side slam, a chin lock, a big whip in the corner, a suplex, a front power slam. Um, we've got a shoulder breaker. It's a very long squash match. Um, lots of sort of um, wear down moves that weren't really needed. And then we get a double choke slam to finish the match with the one, two, three. This was one of the longer bouts on the show, but since the the job has never really got any offense, it just seemed to drag a bit for me. I don't, I don't understand the thinking behind this kind of thing because, like, like it's no, it's not a secret that these the two bruised brothers are big lads. Yeah, they're chunky horses. They're not, they're <laughs> not like like high flyers fighting from underneath. So it's a bit weird to have them take so long to be obvious jobbers like they should be in bang bang gone because that's 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 what you expect it seems weird to make them work but the jobbers never get really hope spots so it's just an elongated beat down basically it's like when you used to play uh, my favorite analogies is when you play, used to play like uh, smackdown versus raw uh, and you maybe have it on slightly easy 
and you're just basically punching the other guy until your special builds up and then you double special and then you nick his finisher and then you have to build up the 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 the, the, the bar again and then you do your own finisher and then your second finisher and it's like you're just elongating it just to get some moves out it's got it doesn't work as a contest yeah that is a pretty fair analogy i think <laughs> We then go to Barry Windham taking on Mike Winner. Um, he, spoiler, will not live up to his name there. <laughs> um, actually, Jesse Ventura. <laughs> sorry, uh, Jesse Ventura says that I bet Mike Winner doesn't live up to his name. Um, he'll be Mike Loser. So I, I, I made the same stupid joke right before I heard Jesse say it on screen. <laughs> you know you're doing something right if you're making Jesse, Jesse jokes. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, Tony Schiavone tells us that the cities are bidding for Slamboree, and I just absolutely do not believe that for one split second. Well, given that uh, only last week did John Cena, the arguably the biggest star that WWE's had for... Actually, the biggest star they've had for 20 years, came out and basically begged London to have WrestleMania. It seems unlikely that uh, in 1993, anywhere was... Uh, Looking for Slamboree. Certainly uh, anywhere of note. Maybe maybe Bumfuck Alabama wanted it, but <laughs> no, nowhere else. What is the funniest city that could have bought Slamboree 93, Richie? Where would you have just absolutely lost your mind if they won the bid for Slamboree? <laughs> oh, I mean, this is the ironic choice of, like, I don't know, uh, Poughkeepsie. Or uh, I guess I guess my favorite I guess would be something like uh, L.A. Slamboree go you know when when uh, thinking about the WWE when they did the Hollywood like go to Hollywood it's like the idea of Slamboree goes to Hollywood. Got, I liked like, it. The oh, sorry, you go. Rangers Stadium, Rangers Stadium, or whatever it's called at the time. Uh, not up on the American football team, but like massive stadium for Slamboree, and there's like five people there. I'd like to have seen like a bit of a cultural shift, and Paris won the bid for Slamboree '93. Yeah, that one. <laughs> can you imagine sophisticated French clientele uh, watching uh, Tex Slazinger come in? It's probably something that pop. Picture of Max Payne hanging up in the Louvre. <laughs> yeah, oh, they would definitely for Paris. They'd have to do a uh, travel montage, getting all the. Stereotypes scene, so there'd be baguette, cheese, Frenchman on a bike, Frenchman with onions, Frenchman with a stripy vest. Oh, this is just, it writes itself, really. <laughs> this is how um, they could have won the war. <laughs> that, these two feel each other out for quite a long time. Um, Barry Windham finally hits a knee drop and a drop kick. Mike Winner comes back with some elbows and a gut wrench suplex for a two, and then a vertical suplex for a two. A clothesline, another suplex before Barry Windham comes back and hits a DDT um, to the DDT chant and picks up the one, two, three in a bit more competitive match than I expected. Barry's good at this. I know we're supposed to know that Barry's good at this because we've been told that Barry is good at this. Barry, he's good at it because I actually <laughs> cared a bit about this match. And like, it's probably the best match on the show. Barry Wind- yeah, Barry Windham's not really my thing. For a start, he's got that whole uh, goaty bit, attempt at a goaty beard, which is a moustache and a bottom bit, and it doesn't join up, which usually irritates me. But Barry Windham, he's good. I, 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 do, I, I think, like looking back, he's actually one of those people that uh, would work now. I think I think he would 
his style would fit in now. Probably WWE more than uh, AEW. I don't know how Barry feels about jumping onto tables that are covered in barbed wire uh, and then explode on him. But uh, yeah, yeah, I really I enjoyed think- this for what it was. In a more modern wrestler, I think Barry Windham gives me like Chris Hero vibes where like everyone knows he can go, but he just doesn't have the look and the physique that the WWE would, would covet. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm way off base there, but that's sort of the vibes I get going back and watching him and probably the, the, the wrestler in the modern times I'm more, I most would compare him to. No, I agree that he's got that. I mean, I, I, I know Chris Hero mostly from his runs in NXT. But I was like really impressed with, again, with his skills. I know he was not an indie darling at the t- before that, but yeah, yeah, I think they do. He's never going to get pushed the way that he should do. Certainly not once you get into the the, the body league of WWE. Tony Schiavone is then um, trying to interview Barry Windham, and as usual, when asked about Ric Flair, he just walks out. Um, so they just replace him at the interview podium with Dustin Rhodes. Why not? You know, if you haven't got a Barry Windham, replace him with a Dusty Rose. Dustin, not Dusty. Dustin obviously says nothing of note because that was the end of my note there. <laughs> no, I think it was just one of those, we're trying to do spontaneity, but we can't help but book it. So there just happens to be someone hanging around to do an interview after someone else storms out. Our next match is Tex Slazinger and Tex Slazinger and Shanghai Pierce taking on two job guys who I don't catch the names of, but during the match, I realised one of them's called Sullivan and one of them's called Angel. Um, I zoned get... out on this match completely. Yeah, the um, the charm of Tex and Shanghai has worn off a little bit. There was a little run when we were doing this for a while where they were so over with the studio crowd that you couldn't help but like them, and that's definitely uh, petered out a little bit for me now. Uh, yeah, I mean, the crowd still seems pretty... There'll be people who'd be happy for that reaction now that they're still getting, but, uh, yeah, it's it's not progressed. It's, they've not done any... Like, they got they, they didn't seem to earn it in the first place, but that's kind of like wrestling. But they never did anything to... to, to like, take the, like, the crowd was like, we would like to see you here, but they never really did anything for me or weren't booked in a way that got them to that level. They were just yeah. like... So it's a, the crowd just get bored. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, we have a crossbody for a two from Sullivan, um, a Shanghai slam, a snapmare from Angel. Um, we've got some competitive jobbers in a couple of these matches here, was my note. Um, we've got a Shanghai and Tex double clothesline, a sunset flip from Angel, um, Shanghai locks in a chin lock. We get some choking with a tag rope, a big slam and another choke, and then a lukewarm tag to Sullivan. He hits a few slams, and then Shanghai Pierce comes in and hits a suplex, and the slop drop from Tex picks up the one, two, three in another squash match that was a little bit too competitive to really make sense. Again, it's not going to get them over. I can't remember if they're face or heels, these two, but like they're not fighting from underneath, which would be a baby face move. And as heels, if, if they're getting a. If the crowd's popping for him as heels, they need to go out and destroy. Or if you want to kill that pop, they've got to go out and be, you know, when the minute it gets tough, instead of just being like beating everyone up, they've, they've got to start cheating, but they, they don't. So, yeah, I, I, that's kind of this week that the ironic pop had definitely died for me, for these two. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. 
we then head over to Rip Rogers taking on Cactus Jack. Um, Rip jumps off the top rope to the floor early in the match, which is a move far too dangerous for WCW Saturday night. We get a big clothesline, a big boot from Cactus and a beal, a hip toss, and then they brawl on the floor. Um, a chin lock from Cactus, followed by a spinning lariat and a leg drop for a two. Some more brawling on the floor before Rip locks in a sleeper. More brawling on the floor before Cactus finally ends the match with the double arm DDT for the one, two, three. I lied earlier because I completely forgot about this match. But I believe I fucking loved it. Now, it might have been because of where it was placed, but actually, I really enjoyed this match, and it's at least four or five years ahead of anything else that uh, we've seen thus far, I think. Which is ironic because now Rip Rogers is on the internet telling people to not do stuff. But, you know, that's how it works. But I, I really this... I really enjoyed this. It's a, li- it's a little bit dangerous. Feels It has that feel of it could go wrong, which I think always helps. I'm not going to lie. I'd started nodding off from the prior matches and this one didn't get the love that it should have got from me. And um, spoiler, when we get into the next match, I actually fell asleep. So um, I, this was, uh, you're right. Like this was probably one of the better matches on the show. I think I said um, earlier, um, Windham or the Rick Rude match was the best, but yeah, this was probably better. But by this point I was really, really zoned out. Yeah. I mean, they've not done anything to, warrant you your attention like if you were watching this live there's no way you wouldn't have potted out to go stare in the fridge you know like i don't know if, you, if you've ever played um I'm, I'm i'm dating myself here i've actually just on a side note got wwe 2k23 and AEW fight forever i've not had a wrestling game in probably 10 years and i just i'm sick of getting to like Division 4 on Ultimate Mode, then getting relegated and starting to grind again or giving up. I bought NBA and played it for a week or two and was bored with that because I only like playing with the classic teams and you can't do that online. Um, So I I was just really searching for something to do. So I bought 2K23 and I'm really enjoying it. Um, And... Anywho, the, the the point here was that, like, on some of the older wrestling games, um, when you had to book um, book the shows and get your match ratings and stuff, and you, you're nodding off and you're just about to go to bed, and you're like, oh, I'll just do one more, but you put no effort in and you just book, like, six basic matches and, and skip through and get a low rating. That's what this episode of Saturday Night felt like to me. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like there's any care or attention, like, of keeping, of doing anything entertaining or even moving anything really not yeah. not moving the needle on the ratings not moving the storylines absolutely so after that one um we head over to richie's favorite wrestler in the whole entire world max Payne. <laughs> oh fuck me and he's taking on robbie someone i didn't catch the last name so this is what i'm talking about i was either sleepy or they were just shit today um but it's max Payne versus robbie that's what we're gonna call him I got Mexican Freddie Mercury. I think that's what he looked like. <laughs> um, Max Payne with a big clothesline and an elbow. He misses an avalanche, but no cells. A clothesline and a leg drop, and then a nerve hold and a headbutt. A hammerlock slam for a two, and then he locks in his dreaded armbar for the tap-out victory. Um, Tony Schiavone is now with Max Payne for an interview, and it's a completely gormless promo on the likes of Ric Flair and generic top guys that I would like to be loosely associated with. But Max Payne, you have got absolutely no chance of joining that company. 
There you see, look at the eyes of Big Max Payne. He's not all there, is he? Let's go to my partner, Tony Schiavone, who's standing by with the one and only Max Payne. I'll tell you what, Jesse, when you wrestle like this, maybe you don't have to be all there, but here's another man who just came back from a very successful tour of the UK, of Ireland, of, of Northern Ireland. And I tell you, the competition, WCW, the likes of, of a Barry Windham or the likes of a Ravishing Rick Rude or a Nature Boy Ric Flair. Right Wait a minute, you said a name. You said a name that we need to pay special attention to because he comes out here and continues to talk about everybody in the WCW, except for one man, Max Payne. Don't overlook me, Ric Flair. Don't forget who I am, because as of yet, nobody, and I mean uncategorically, no one can forget who I am in the WCW right now. So don't you forget it. The people in the UK, yeah, they know about Max Payne. We were very successful there in establishing the painkiller as the most devastating move in professional wrestling. But more importantly than that, we've got a little surprise for all those folks out there in TV land. Pay close attention, because in the weeks to come, and in the time of the future, you will see a completely new man and an event in professional wrestling never witnessed. And from Max Payne, stay with us. Uh, no, he's a fucking idiot. Like this, this <laughs> his character. I, I don't know if the guy, the guy's probably nice. He probably like work, does work for charity. Or, you know, probably buys the first round. He's probably a great guy. Probably like goes plays teaches guitar to underprivileged children. But the problem is that Max Payne, the character, is a fucking idiot. So like, <laughs> I can't take him. He can't take him seriously as a heel because he's an idiot. He, the only thing he could be is a bumbling idiot face, but they're not they're not running it like that because he's big and he's airy and like that 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 kind of would be a traditional heel wrestler. So you just end up with this like non-entity, which actually could kind of work if they basically if someone had a word with him about his promos, uh, yeah, and just. Gave him more direction, maybe, but but he just he just you just think what a fucking tool. <laughs> the highlight of these episodes for me is always whenever you start talking about Max Payne. <laughs> I think he irritates me because I don't I, I I think that somebody isn't doing what they should do with him in the back. I think they just send him out. They think this is a good idea, and it's like no, because on paper he's got size. He's not a crap wrestler. He looks different, you know definitely different and he can shred on a guitar so you've got all this as a package for 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 a wrestler and yet i think Oli's booking in the background in the back now he's just like yeah go out and then after the match just call out rick flair and then max paper goes am i taking on rick flair and he goes no don't be stupid max <laughs> you'll be you're not taking on rick flair but call him out People love it when random people who are not high enough up the totem pole call out someone higher up, and then nothing will happen. Do wonders for your character, kid. You go, you knock it out of the park. <laughs> I just picture um, when Jeff Jarrett called out Stone Cold when he went back to the WWF and getting a bollocking backstage. I just think Ric Flair doing the same thing that Max Payne would make for some entertaining television. It's, yeah, it's like you take 
your my name out of your mouth, sunshine. <laughs> we then go to Big Sky with Vinny Vegas taking on Van Hammer. So Max Payne followed by Van Hammer. I've just got here. Come on, WCW. What the fuck? Van Hammer, like the fact that he is still there in 1999 is it's the uh, oh I can't remember the name of the footballer for Chelsea. Damn it, have to look it up all the time. Winston Bo was it Winston Bogard who was at Chelsea? I was there for like five or six seasons. Never played a Premier League match. Just sat there getting his contract. Kept his head down. Refused to leave. And like, like Van Hammer, is six six years, and he keeps getting pushes. He's fucking oh. terrible. Never got any better. <laughs> no, you you would accidentally get better if you were doing something <laughs> repetitive as a general rule. <coughs> oh, man. He works a hammerlock and there's lots of stalling and it's a very slow start. Um, my second line here is just, this sucks. Um, this is like training day one wrestling stuff or a Jerry Lawler match is my notes here with all the stalling. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, the fact is that Big Sky is as not as good as Diesel. Now, there are a lot of schools of thought on Kevin Nash. Some think he's just, you know, isn't very talented, very skilled in the ring. Other people point out he did exactly what was required to get himself over. But if you're not as good as Kevin Nash in the ring, then you've got no, you've got no help, you've got no, no chance, son. Just don't. No, we've got a double clothesline. A Van Hammer shoulder block, a, a suplex, a leg drop, and then Big Sky with the with the old trope of the foreign object that you can't really tell what it is because it's like a pencil wrapped in a bit of paper or something stupid. Cheats to win, picks up the one, two, three, and I've put here that is definitely a Jerry Lawler finish. So I think my comparison earlier in the match was was on point. Perfection. It's it's another thing that just leaves you like. What it doesn't make logical sense if you're gonna cheat. Why it? It's where wrestling becomes slightly stupid because then it makes you question. Well, why didn't you just do that in the first place? If you yeah. knew you could cheat yeah. to win, if I knew I could cheat to win, <coughs> and I was that way inclined, then I wouldn't wait after I'd spent ten minutes of getting punched in my face to go. I'm gonna cheat now. Yeah, just do it right off the lockup. Yeah. Because everything, but to me, it says everything before this point didn't hurt, because otherwise you would use it sooner. Because getting punched in the face is quite painful. We then go across to the Cole twins taking on Tony Vincent and JD Wolf, and this is a fucking killer's row of a show now. Like, um, they're exchanging hammerlocks to begin, and this whole show just needs to rate on the hammerlock scale. It's it's a solid six out of ten for the entire show for me at this point. The booker of this show is Dick Move of the Week. <laughs> Love it. Um, a bad, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, a um, a press slam. Uh, sorry, no, a crossbody from one of the Cole twins, an arm drag. The other Cole twin comes in and works over the arm. A sunset flip for a two, a double backdrop and a double drop kick picks up the one, two, three. And the highlight of this is Jesse Ventura afterwards trying to interview them and telling them they have a fan club and them celebrating like school children. This was pretty funny. These are guys that are obviously, well, right, at the time, people aged quicker. But these are guys that are in their 30s. 
maybe late mid to late twenties if they've aged and had a rough paper round in the nineties. <laughs> but they're dancing around like fucking children. Yeah, and they are huge blonde mulleted twins, so it's quite the visual. Like these, these aren't like I don't know. Not that the Hardy Boys did it when the Hardy Boys started. You could tell they were young. They they were like young youngins. These these guys they they're not youngins. No. Uh, we go to a commercial, and when we come back, it's Vinny Vegas with Big Sky back out to take on Rex Cooper. Um, this match is nothing. It's a, some corner strikes from Vinny Vegas uh, and a couple of basic moves setting up the snake eyes for the one, two, three. Um, my note here is Vinny Vegas is a little bit better than Big Sky, and this match was a hell of a lot shorter. So, winner, winner. Who the fuck booked it that way? Like, we're going to have Big Sky go long, and we're going to have Vinny go short. And, and and they're a tag team, so what we'll do is we'll split them up to get more matches on the card. I think they've only done this because we've got a Cole Twins tag match, we've got Tex and Shanghai tag match, and the Bruise Brothers tag match, but just leave one of them off for this week. Who fucking cares? You know, I don't think anybody was sat there in a Big Sky t-shirt watching it at home, being if there's no Big Sky this week, I'm not eating my TV dinner next week in front of this. I'm going to go out <laughs> to the park. Give us another promo or something. Just anything. This is yeah. Oh, Bring out Tony Schiavone. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I could live with that. Um, we've got Shivani with Rick Rude again. A serious promo on Dustin Rhodes and the US title and how he wants to dominate dominate the WCW. Um, I just always pop when I hear that now. Yeah, I love it. I love it when Brett did it. It's like, it's, it's almost like it's disdainful. It's like the WCW. The so-called <laughs> WCW. <laughs> it's then Johnny B. Bad taking on Fred Avery. Um, this is another quick one with an arm drag, a head scissor takedown, and w- one of the stupidest, finish- stupidest finishes in wrestling in 1993, the top rope sunset flip, which can only really hurt the man doing it, but still somehow picks up the win. Yeah, it's uh, it, it pushes the credibility of the move. Because I'd just stand up. If somebody tried to sunset flip me in a fight off the top rope, we'd be like, well, I don't need to do anything here. You'd just do the Samoa Joe walk away, wouldn't you, and let them flip off the top rope. But if he misses, he'd be in pain. It's it's like a super drop kick. If you hit it, you win. But if you miss, you're in pain, even though the landing's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <coughs> Depending on what's happening next, depends how painful both people find the superplex. We then get what I do think is the highlight of the show for me, Vader coming out with Harley Race. This is when I sat up and went, thank Christ, it's Vader. Um, And he's taking on Tim Dixon, and it's just a Vader squash. We get the big Vader attack, shoves him over, a clothesline. Um, We see Harley holding that lovely early 90s WCW title, which I really like. Um, We get a Samoan drop by Vader, and then a Vader bomb, a splash, but he picks him up off the count for the two, and then hits him with a vicious power bomb for the one, two, three, and this I really did enjoy. At this point, like, Vader coming out was like, like, star power for a start, over an energy. Like, going back, I mean, to my least favourite wrestler, Max Payne, he doesn't have the the intensity that... uh, that Vader has. When Vader comes out, you're like, okay, something's going to happen here. I he's mean, got that aura, doesn't he? He's just, yeah. he's the man. He's going to be mostly painful for the person he's working against, or at least stiff. But, you know, it's it's going to be good. And, and, and to be fair, 
Vader doing that actually <coughs> makes the person he's up against it. I mean, people will be like, oh, he just squashes him. But actually, you do get a little bit of empathy towards the person Vader's squashing because it looks so real. Uh, yeah. That, like, if that guy did have a hope spot, you would actually get behind this no name jobber as opposed <laughs> to a lot of the other ones we've seen tonight where it's just been like, meh. Tony's them with Vader and Harley. Um, I'll splice it in here. Be right, a man who literally did not budge when he did not want to budge. The world heavyweight champion with the awesome power bomb, Big Van Vader. Certainly, Sting is out after that world heavyweight title, and the threat is there from the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith. Mr. Man, once again, Vader stands before you, the heavyweight champion of the world, the king of the world, and even though. We fight. We survive in the toughest valley in the world. We have no fear because guess what? We own the valley. And that valley happens to be the valley of the WCW. The baddest, biggest, most toughest wrestlers in the world today. And every wrestler that stepped in that ring with Big Van Vader, they pay mortgage to me. They pay with pain. They pay. Stinger, you want one more shot at the title? Well, I'm standing right here. It's not very hard to find, Vader. You want to you wanna feel the leather strap one more time? We can do that, too. And who is this? Davy Boy Smith. Who is Davy Boy Smith? What arrogance does he have? What nerve does he have? And what little brains does he have? But yeah, as you heard, Vader basically telling that the the WCW wrestlers and in particular Davey Boy Smith to try and step up to him and see how they fare and just comes across like a complete badass here. He's just brilliant. Yeah, it's a shame that the people who are going for him don't have that same level of uh, intensity on the mic. I mean, no one's going to argue that Davy Boy couldn't wrestle. The guys, even when he was at his biggest, could still wrestle that British Canadian style. But like, like his his mic skills can't make he can't make himself a credible threat with those the way that he does promos. There's just not the fire or the connection. Absolutely. And that brings us to the halfway point. So that was a bit of a slog, but we've gotten through WCW. Um, not 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 a bad effort from you and I, if not the bookers and the wrestlers. Like, I don't think I would accidentally book something this bad if I ever tried to pay, play EWR, a game I refuse to play because I'm not very good at like long-term planning and booking. So <laughs> I've dabbled in that a few times, so I hear you on that note. Um, well, at the halfway point, I thought we'd do something a bit different today, and um, I just had an interesting question, and maybe it's just me, but thought I'd throw it out to you. Are there any examples of wrestlers playing two different characters that you, at first, didn't realise were the same person? I'm going to say yes, and then completely blank on the answer. I think I... that there are ECW ones which uh, I didn't necessarily notice at the time when I was re-watching all those. Uh, ah, actually, I do. Johnny B. Bad and uh, 
It's uh, Johnny B. Bad and Mark Mero. I didn't realize because I only because yeah. I started so late. I didn't know he'd been in WCW, and I don't know how I managed this one. At one point, I wasn't entirely convinced that the Legion of Doom and the Road Warriors weren't two different people, two, two sets of people, because I've watched randomly <coughs> some WCW when I knew they were in W in WWF at the time, and I was like, "Are they the same people or what?" So. <laughs> That, that one's a bit, a bit of a stupider one. What about yourself? Yeah, I've got a few. So Papa Shango, I had no idea for years, was actually um, Kama. And I knew Kama was the godfather, but I didn't know they were Papa Shango. So he, that Charles Wright also played Papa Shango. So it was many years down the line, like when I started you know, reading the internet and listening to podcasts that I realized they were the same person, which looking back is pretty ridiculous. But you know, I was young at the time and it was a pretty different look when he came back later on. Yeah, I, um, I knew that one, but that's because I, cause I came in later. I was already picking up the magazine. So you kind of get that spoilt for you a little bit, I think. Iron Sheik and Colonel Mustafa had no idea um ne- I, I i don't know how like they he really just put a different outfit on but when colonel mustafa came in i would have been probably or oh, i think seven maybe so i was you know i had vhs of old wrestling shows but didn't really twig that one which that's probably the most ridiculous one i think here um and a uh, uh, one that i think we could all be forgiven for conan and max moon yeah no one's gonna kind of put those two together and then one that I think is relevant for our show today is Max Payne and Man Mountain Rock. You know what? I don't think I've seen Man Mountain Rock. I don't know whether to look forward to it or not. <laughs> yeah, Man Mountain Rock. He's not around for long. I actually probably know him more from like, I think, have you ever been on the, the site WrestleCrap.com? They use a picture of him shrugging a lot. Oh, I used to live on that website. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably the, the one that... That resonates the most today, but that was just a, an interesting little side note for us before we head over to check out what happened on Raw. has the three-man announced team of Vince McMahon, Macho Man, and Rob Bartlett. So we've not gotten away from that yet. And we start off with an absolute dream match, Richie. It's Damien Demento and the Repo Man taking on the Bushwhackers. Like, what the fuck? I was like, <laughs> like this is when they they have to put a goal, like a lot of football analogies. This is when you like, have to put a goalie essential defense or something. Like, of all the roster they had for Monday night at 8 o'clock, Possibly against Monday Night Football. I don't know if it started in America at that point. Somebody looked at the booking sheet and went, what we need is a makeshift tag team between the Repo Man, a late 
a less popular version of a person uh, who everyone still remembers from being in Demolition, who everyone knows is that same person. So you've not even managed to do what we just talked about in the mid, the midpoint of this podcast. So everyone knew who he was. Uh, <laughs> against the fucking Bushwhackers, who were old when they first started. This is, eight, <laughs> I think, maybe... For I think I think I was listening to something. They were either, they were either around in the late sixties or seventies, uh, and they've been in the WWE for probably three, four, maybe five years now. And then even better, they, the Bushwhackers started the fucking crowd. So you've got to wait for them to come through the crowd, licking kids' heads. <laughs> I couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, as you said, they do come through the crowd licking kids' heads. They lick the raw girl. Um, Butch bites Damien Demento and Luke bites the Repo Man on the ass. They clean house. Um, the heels double-team Luke for a minute, but we get a warm tag and Butch cleans house, a four-man brawl. And then the battering ram, the all-time worst finishing move for a tag team on the Repo Man for the one, two, three in a bit of a dud, but at least it made me laugh. I mean... It's terrible. The thing that makes me always like always makes me wonder when there's stuff like this on is like on other channels, ECW had already started. I know it might it might still be Eastern Championship Wrestling. Smoky Mountain is also running. And the WWE is still holding on to these cartoon characters that weren't great in the first place. Yeah, it's um <laughs> I think in this day and age people would have tuned out in their droves, but I, I guess limited reach for some of those shows is probably the only way this survived as long as it did. Yeah, yeah, the fact that people couldn't get them is is one of the few reasons why if you were a wrestling fan and you didn't like WCW, then this is it. This is what you're watching. We then go to Tatanka taking on Reno Riggins. Um, Reno Riggins jumps him at the start, but it doesn't last long. Tatanka with a backdrop, and Riggins locks in a sleeper. Tatanka gets out pretty quick, though. Some chops, and he Tatanka's up uh, before hitting a power slam, and he's Samoan drop for the one, two, three. I also had Tatanking up in my uh, notes. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was pleased with myself with that one. Yes, yeah, shit. Just... <laughs> <coughs> like... I think there should be a, 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 a system because Reno Riggins isn't actually that bad a name. I, I think it's wasted on, a, on, on on this guy because he's not going anywhere or certainly not at this point. He, should, he shouldn't be allowed it. It's like I often used to think there should be a system in football where a centre-back running onto the ball about 25 yards out from goal slightly right of the right of the the box shouldn't shoot he shouldn't have he needs a license to shoot from that range has proven that he can do it otherwise oh, he has he has to pass because <laughs> he's just going to go in the crowd reno riggins that name's good and it's wasted now because he's used it <laughs> sorry the only thing i could think of when you lined up that scenario was vincent company's goal against leicester yeah, yeah. Well, he had the license, so that's fine. It, it it's, fu- it's, it's funny though because uh, the story afterwards was all the players were yelling, "Don't shoot at him!" <laughs> it's certainly unexpected. I, I guess they, my my theory would uh, would lower the spontaneity of football. <laughs> yeah, it cost me a league title as well. <laughs> um, we get an Andre the Giant video package um, for the Hall of Fame, which was probably the highlight of, of the show here for me and then an Ica Pro ad followed by a Hasbro ad so a little um, 
minute or, or two run there that made me smile uh, in some otherwise dreary shit. Yeah, they're not scared of packing. They're sure to show shilling. Whereas it appeared the show we watched before was just packing in as many wrestlers as they could, but not doing any other any of the other stuff like selling their shows or anything. Except Slambury, I'm still considering buying it. <laughs> yeah, well, you can you can bring it over to the UK. <laughs> I, I, I live in I, I live in a small village in the country, so we've probably got about as many people as went to Slambury live in the village. <laughs> Um, we then go to Money Inc. taking on Scott Prince and Jeff Armstrong. Um, a quick IRS tax tip makes me smile. John and Jeff. No. Scott and Jeff. The deadline Looks to like pay your taxes is almost here. And just remember this. Don't get caught cheating on them. I love it. Oddly... <laughs> I shouldn't do because it's kind of not the stuff I generally go for. But I'm just like, no, this was good. It's a shame he he had to leave. He couldn't keep that character going, and it kind of kept him where he was on the card. But it's it's his perfect character, and anything else he ever did was just like, oh, I wish it was IRS. If his matches could last thirty seconds, but his pre-match promo lasts two minutes, I think we'd have the perfect character here. Yeah, he's he's another one. He's like he he knows what he's doing, but it's not very exciting. Title of my um, sex I s- <laughs> Yeah, yours and mine both. <laughs> um, we've got a, a Vlad the Superfan signing, and that just reminds me how annoyed I am that his documentary never came out. Yeah, why make it and then not release it? So weird. Um, yeah, so we've got um, IRS on the... I've got, my note here is IRS on the stick. What could be better? Um, we've got a... Ted DiBiase clothesline and a knee lift as the commentators argue about Rob Bartlett having a TV. I'm no idea why he's got a TV watching what else is on at the time. That makes no sense to me, but okay. Uh, double team from the heels, a power slam from Ted and the write-off from IRS for the one, two, three. I mean, rat face and bald, which is what I've got the names as the other two guys <laughs> were there. They did their job. I, I don't like you said, just don't think you need to see that much of uh, of IRS wrestling ever. Because, cause, I mean, how do you wrestle as a tax man? So you've already got that kind of odd uh, scenario where, like, I mean, you can't do any, like, tax man-like moves. What I want to know is, like, why doesn't he hibernate for three quarters of the year like most tax accountants? Like, you know, I, I think of Sid and softball season. IRS should just be coming out during tax season and then disappearing for the rest of the year. Tax season being kinder around WrestleMania season. It could be like the IRS streak instead of the WrestleMania streak. Can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah. oh, book it. IR, IRS is uh, it's like, and now, and now Brock Lesnar is the 31, is the one in 31 and 1 or whatever it was. Instead, but it's about IRS instead. <laughs> IRS losing the, the the WrestleMania streak, and then he disappears for another, <laughs> you know, until Rumble time, and then the crowd, then Rumble starts, and then 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 the IRS money hit, uh, music hits, and the crowd goes wild. It's like, yeah, it's, who's IRS got at WrestleMania this year? Is it Cena? No, because Cena got- can't lose. 
<laughs> Legends coming back for the honour of taking on IRS. <laughs> I, IRS retiring Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Money Inc. being uh, the team that took on Shawn Michaels and Hunter when they both came out of retirement in Saudi Arabia the other year. And it was Money Inc., not the Brothers of Destruction. <laughs> Money Inc. instead of the Spirit Squad for that 2008 DX reunion. <laughs> oh, that, would, that would be perfect. You know, you know. Uh, I mean, Kane would become a side character because the Undertaker would never have made it big. So, like, you know, the IRS would have had to be American badass for a bit. <laughs> you know, coming out on his bike to limp biscuit. <laughs> Midlife crisis tax man. <laughs> Midlife is cry RS. Cry RS. He comes out, comes out and he's on his on his uh, comes out and he's Harley tapping his chest, holding the fist up. <laughs> but he still has the briefcase. That's important because yeah. he's still he, going to go to work. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then he has like uh, that long, that second like long feud until uh, the American badass uh, until he comes back against Ted DiBiase at WrestleMania as the original IRS. <laughs> He buys off a second IRS like he did the Undertaker. Oh, yeah, it's IRS first IRS. And then there's that kind of iconic bit of the, <laughs> of the WrestleMania where the Undertaker finally stops being the badass and he comes out with all the druids and comes out. But instead of druids, you've just got them people using them old fashioned uh, calculators with the uh, paper coming out of them. <laughs> Instead of where Undertaker swapped the jeans for the trench coat and the hat again, the IRS has just got his suspenders and tie back and we're all losing our minds. Yeah, when he finally, when he finally retires, he takes his trousers off with the suspenders. <laughs> In the middle of the ring, takes his shoes off and he leaves his glasses, leaves his glasses there and it's like, that's it. IRS is done. Oh, fuck, I'm dead. I just picture he's taking his trousers off and he just looks like Walter White in the first episode of Breaking Bad. I'm the American tax man. Hear me, pimp. <laughs> We've got to stop. I'm going to die. <coughs> oh, this is the best episode of all time. <laughs> I need a t shirt of the American tax man. Oh my god, book it, book it, please book it. <laughs> oh, nothing can um, follow that. So we go to a, a Gene Oakland WrestleMania report, thank Christ. <laughs> oh. I then have a um <coughs> a rather uninteresting mystery solve for me, Richie, because me being like the, the Mattel Elite collector that I am, um Doink comes with three different wigs, and I never knew why until I saw this match, and he wrestles with really short green hair. Yeah, I don't get Doink. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a bit of a weird character. He's such a he's such a better heel than face, but his face run lasts so much longer. I think that's what it is. I think I think it's like another one where they just. Grab onto the oh the kid like the clown thing too far too quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, he fakes giving a present and then takes it back from Kamala, which is a bit mean because Kamala's a bit of a simpleton. Um, and he just really rides him in wrestling holes, stretching him, and he's all over him as um Macho Man tells Doink that he makes kids cry, bra, which really cracked me up as well. 
it, it's a weird match. It's oddly uncomfortable to watch this match. <clears throat> we get an avalanche from Kamala as we go to a commercial, and when we come back, Doink's in control. Kamala does come back with a chop, a kick, and a clothesline, um, sending Doink to the outside. Chases him, but Doink gives him a present on the floor. Um, and when he empties it, when he opens it, sorry, he's counted out opening the box, and it's just an empty box with Doink hiding under the ring. Um, and then he <coughs> gets a chair and beats the shit out of Kamala with the chair. Um, but, um, sorry, um, comes out the other side and then sort of run, runs off afterwards. I, my notes confuse me here, but I think the actual what happened with it um, is what confused me here. Sorry. No, it doesn't make a lot. This bit doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, I think by this point, I'm, I was, I was kind of done with everything. I think. Yeah, it just. Yeah, I, I think. I, I my note says he, he thought he was hitting him. I don't. I don't understand that. So yeah, um, <clears throat> it didn't resonate with me. So apologies for that. Um, we then go to the Oinkets, um, and they're forming the Rob Bartlett fan club. So a fan club on each show this week, which is interesting. Um, and they're trying to get a, um, <clears throat> trying to get love and a kiss from Rob Bartlett. Um, it's a bit mean by, um, Vince and Macho Man here trying to basically egg on Rob Bartlett to kiss them, but they stood right there. Like it's a little bit harsh and not, not the, not the kindest angle this one. No, it's that, that, that thing you hear about, uh, like Vince's cruel streak, certainly about, you know, body types. It's like, haha, let's look at the, let's laugh at the fat people. Yeah, uh, right in front of their face, a little bit cruel. It doesn't, I think, I don't know. I think, it may, I don't know if at the time, and I mean, I guess, I guess it might have been funnier, but just watching it now, it's just like, this is, it, it, you don't need this. It's just, it's mean spirited. It's, what, it's not, yeah. it's not, like they're in on the joke, or even if they are, I just think they take it too far. Yeah, and the show ends on a real sort of like low point with it's just Vince talking about Sunday's match to WrestleMania show. Um, Macho Man versus Yokozuna and Undertaker versus Bam Bam Bigelow sound like decent matchups for that, but it's a bit of a cold ending this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, WCW was bad, but this was this was the absolute. Pits. This was this was this didn't even feel like a full show. No, I actually like this might be the least amount of notes I've ever written for any show I've reviewed on the podcast. I got like half a page. Um so that's pretty well my thoughts exactly. No, it was uh I know I know obviously because it's shorter. They've got they but they, they do less somehow managed to do less entertaining stuff where they should be doing like more in the time they've got, they managed to do less, and you just get that feeling that even now Raw isn't that important. I always get that feeling that, and because we've always been driven to think that Raw is the be all and end all, it's the you know the flagship show. Even like when uh, Fox bought SmackDown, Raw was still considered the 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 flagship. You know, if you were the champion on SmackDown at one point, it was like yeah, it's SmackDown. <coughs> Yeah, I but agree. At this point, Raw, they've got more start. They've got. I mean, let's look on the on this show. There is no Razor Ramon. There's no uh, Kurt Henning. I think still around. There's no Brett the Hitman Hart. There's no. Uh, I think the Steiners are still about. They might be about to leave. 
There's no Hulk yep. Hogan. Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. Yeah, like, <clears throat> to you know, you go through the list. I was about to say Tatanka, he is here. Um, but, like, yeah, there's. If I, I think, like, to the the WrestleMania 9 card, and, yeah, no Shawn, no Undertaker, no Giant Gonzalez, no Yokozuna, no Bret Hart, no Hulk Hogan, not even a Brutus Beefcake to hype up that match. Like, it is really devoid of the stars that we're expected to pay for in a week or so. No Bam Bam. Yeah, like, heaps of people missing here. IRS can't do it on his own. <laughs> not, not without us booking him, he can't. No, so, but, but like, like, even beef, yeah, beef, I don't even mention, even beefcake's not on there. I mean, nobody's like pining for beefcake, but like he's, he's at this point he is in quite a big angle in the uh, joint main event with with Hogan. Uh, slightly, no sign to Sandman, but the out can get the bushwhackers there. Yeah, I mean, like you're right. No one's pining for beefcake, but I think like let's just say Money Inc's about to use a briefcase to win this match, and beefcake runs out pulls the beef the, the briefcase off of IRS and the, the jobber rolls him up for the one, two, three as beefcake goes back down the aisle. That's the most exciting thing that happens on the show if they do that. Definitely. And also he should have his own briefcase called the beefcase. <laughs> you didn't let that one slide. No, I loved it. I was like, <laughs> it's the kind of stupid shit that uh, Ed Leslie would think was a good idea. The beefcase. <laughs> I guarantee if he got pulled over, he'd get arrested for whatever was inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, can we just look inside your, uh, what looks like a briefcase made entirely of steak, please? (laughs) Oh man. I think it's time we rate these shows and I'm actually perplexed as to which way to go. And I'm going to like, before we even start the rankings, like I've got half a mind to give raw the win just because it was shorter and, piss me off less but then i think like wcw had vader and recruit and oh, i'm like i'm so torn on which way to go on these two my notes are wwf awful wcw passable so i must have been feeling charitable all right well let's let's do it then who did you have for um crowd heat on this one who did you think had the better crowd oh I, I, there's always a problem with this that WCW don't know how to mic a crowd. Mm. I, I I feel it was WCW. They definitely seem to have a better crowd. Yeah, I think I marginally went the same way just because I had a couple of notes sprinkled in where WCW, like the crowd was lively for something and I don't have anything on Raw to say the same thing. And that includes with the Bushwhackers licking the crowd. Oh, they didn't want licking. <laughs> um. I have to go WCW for characters, although they also brought out far too many shit ones. But WWF just skipped every big name. Did you go the same way, or did you disagree with that one? Nah, it's got to be WCW. We've just done a list of names of people that weren't on this show. Like, that we could have booked three weeks' worth of shows with the people that were missing and not repeated a wrestler. Yeah. I personally don't think either show really did anything to advance storylines, so I went with a tie on that one. What were your thoughts? No, the the Rick Rude stuff tried, but it it wasn't like you know it, it was just the interview. It wasn't like the Rick Rude getting involved in a match to cause the and conflict that then leads to the the the, the championship title. It was just like there you go. There's a promo. And the same thing with Max Payne. Like, he's trying to forward a storyline that doesn't exist anywhere outside of his own head. Yeah, agree. 
production value who did who did you have uh it's this is always a default wwf unless they drop a bollock like it's just better uh i still think the wcw is languishing a little bit with just overall it still feels dated and they can't like the jobber thing they can't make their mind up whether we know their names or not yeah, I had that, and then the Bruce Brothers like being clearly shot in the ring, but then going back for a promo and just leaving them stood there for a while is just like a, a, a silly thing that like WWF guys are in ring waiting for a match, but you would never see them like two minutes before the match is due to start. No, no, it's 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 what they invested in when they you know when like Vince is it's well documented that he took all the money to invest in making it look the product look better. Yeah. And then match quality, um, who did you have for this one? Uh, WCW, mostly f- because of the Vader's completely not a smash of Mr. Dixon. And like I said, I, I, I really enjoyed Mick and uh, Rick Rogers. I thought it was a really entertaining match. In context, maybe if it was on another card, I wouldn't be that excited. But I think it's still then, it's Mick Foley uh, at the height of his powers. Uh, and Rick Rogers, who's known for being you know, a great wrestling teacher. He's actually a really good wrestler. Uh, just obviously just one of them people that either rub people the wrong way or just never really made it. Yeah, I think Vader, Rick Rude and Cactus Jack in their brief cameos was the best wrestling and all three were in WCW. So I went the same way. We've actually gone the same way pretty well across the board. And in what has to be the low light of their career, this is the equivalent of neither team having a shot on goal and an own goal deciding it late in the game. WCW has picked up the win here. Yeah, they've they've accidentally won it. They, they've, they've sneaked victory from the jaws of defeat somehow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's the the tale of the tape on one of the worst sets of shows we've ever reviewed. So I think now that we've powered through those ones and, and actually got together and done this, we should be okay to hopefully see something a little bit better in the future and catch back up again soon, mate. But it's been an absolute pleasure catching up. So thanks for the time. No problem. It was my part. Um, and thanks everyone for, for tuning in. Um, couple more shows in the pipeline just a the, the i feel like i'm always explaining a delay but w i i think i've said this before but when the, sh- the network cancelled over here they've gone to a streaming platform called binge and they haven't uploaded the wcw pay-per-view so i've been watching halloween havoc on my phone i got about halfway through because i just i'm not one to watch things on my phone especially when i'm going to take notes and they just randomly put all the halloween havocs up this week so i finished it today so that will be dropping and then the the raw and nitro surrounding that show that i've already watched will all drop soon so a lot of content coming and then i'll get back to watching and we'll we'll be back at you with some more stuff again shortly i'd like to say i can't wait to watch the next week's worth of shows but you know that's what we're here for so you don't have to yeah 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 we'll check them out and if they're good we'll let you know (laughs) um got anything coming up in the in the future richie what what you up to at the moment um anything exciting happening in your life well i'm i'm I'm, i mean it's not very exciting for a wrestling podcast but i might be starting a podcast based in the dreary world of it but hopefully it'll be kind of interesting but uh just formalizing a few things uh i don't know if there's uh, is there a crossover between the wrestling audience and enterprise it seems unlikely but i'm hoping to bring my still my usual level of uh sarcasm to that as well don't dismiss it too quickly, Richie. You could very easily become the commu- computerized man of the 90s here. Well, I mean, one can only hope.
<laughs> when you when you get up to talking about Terry Taylor's influence on IT, book me in to chat. <laughs> oh yeah, first guess. Explain it, Terry Taylor, and how a computer could somehow somehow help him win without using it as a weapon. <laughs> Uh, it sounds amazing well that'll do it for the show today so um check out richie's um it podcast when it drops we'll plug it and we'll definitely drop the link on twitter and mention it to everyone on here so um when you're ready to rock with that let me know and we'll, we'll talk about it will do my friend um and thanks everyone for listening um goodbye for for now and we'll be in touch again very soon have a good one richie will do toodaloo motherfuckers